Pediatric Junkies. Welcome back to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Miller. Today we'll be talking about the Centennial Scholar Program with two of the APTA Pediatric Section sponsored scholars, Josie Gannon and Emily Quinn. In this episode, they'll talk more about what the Centennial Scholar Program is, how they got involved, what their projects were, and also how you can get involved in this program as it continues to evolve. And with that, let's just jump right in. Okay, hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Miller, and I'm here today with two of our Centennial Scholars, Josie Gannon and Emily Quinn. So guys, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So before we get started, um, can we just give your, give our listeners just a little bit of an introduction on like who you are, um, where you're currently working and like what your position in the APTA is, if you hold any like board positions or anything like that. So Josie, I'll have you go first. All right. So I'm Josie Gannon. Um, Currently, I am in Billings, Montana, working at a private outpatient clinic called Pediatric Therapy clinic. So we got pretty original with that one. Um, and I'm seeing all pediatric caseload right now in the APTA. I am working as the communications chair for the students and new professionals SIG in APTA pediatrics. Um, and so I co-host this podcast with you, Natalie, and then I also help run our social media. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we love having you here. <laughs> Taking a different role for this podcast. Yeah, I'm on the other side. <laughs> okay, Emily, go ahead. Hey, everybody. I'm Emily Quinn. Um, I am currently in Colorado um, working for Pediatric at Home Health. Um, and my position with the APTA is I currently serve on the APTA Pediatrics Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, and um, I kind of chair a subcommittee of that uh, committee as well. Awesome. So as you guys can tell, obviously these two ladies are very involved and the perfect people to talk to for this episode. So um, before we get into the Centennial Scholar Program, I just kind of want to give our listeners a little bit more of a background for you guys. And so could you tell us how you each got involved in leadership and kind of when you started to get involved in leadership and what you think has been your favorite role so far? Yeah, so in terms of like getting involved in leadership on a broad scope, um, I feel like I've been involved since I was really young, um, like running for student council in elementary school, that type of stuff. But then um, in terms of like PT leadership, um, probably in PT school is when I really got involved. I um, helped with some civic engagement stuff through our student association at our campus. And then um, in terms of APTA leadership, definitely after graduation, kind of as a new professional. Um, And I think definitely my favorite leadership role so far for APTA has been being part of the DEI committee um, where I'm able to influence, you know, things on a national level and then also try to make change on a national level. Awesome. So, yeah, I'd say, um, my leadership journey is pretty similar to Emily. I think I've always kind of, uh, 
been drawn towards leadership positions, whether I'm good at them or bad, I guess. Um, but I've always kind of wanted to help push everything to kind of that next level. Um, so I started with my PT leadership journey in PT school. I was a core ambassador for North Dakota and I kind of learned a lot more about APTA during that time from school and then also from the core ambassador position um, because I got to be a part of the North Dakota um, state board meetings, which was really interesting and enlightening. So from there, I decided that I wanted to run for the student assembly. So I ran for vice president and I didn't get it, but that gave me a lot of courage to just like put myself out there because I learned that the worst case scenario is that somebody says no to you. And I've also realized that the only people who know that I didn't get it were the rest of like my cohort who was running with me. And we all know who did and didn't get it. But other than that, like nobody really cared. So it gave me a lot of confidence actually. Um, and then I fell into this role where we've kind of helped mold a lot of things. And now we're going through this next transition with APTA pediatrics um, as we kind of bring together our communication style. So it's all um, one voice kind of going out to our constituents. So yeah, I guess, I guess now I'm here on this podcast talking to you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Josie, you actually brought up a good point. Um, part of my leadership too was like in PT school, I got to, I got the opportunity and the privilege to attend some of the New York State Board of Directors meetings. And I think through those that really got me, you know, the gave me the courage and then the um, like interest in being more involved through APTA on a broader level. That's awesome that you guys kind of had similar um, leadership uh, journeys and just how you got involved and how you kind of got started with PT leadership. So, well, let's talk about that Centennial Scholar Program. So um, for those our, those of our listeners who maybe don't know this program, it was established in 2021. So this is brand new. So if you guys could kind of tell us like what the Centennial Scholar Program is and kind of what all entails being a Centennial Scholar. So I don't know how to break this up really. So maybe I'll say my interpretation and then Emily can say hers um, because I'm sure I'll miss a couple things. Um, But the idea of the Centennial Scholar Program was that we've been through a century of having our association and we've had all of these really great leaders and we tend to see the same names and leadership positions. Um, And so they found it really important to help grow this next generation of leaders who's going to help lead us in the next hundred years and so the centennial scholar program was to help mentor us and mold us into the leaders that can take over some of these roles um, and teach us some of the lessons that will help with that journey so some of them were you know hearing people's stories like we just kind of told ours Um, they of course went a lot more in depth and then some of them were pretty, I think like pen and paper skills. Like how do you write a strategic plan? How are you gonna put it in place? Um, Things like that. So things that you maybe don't get opportunities to participate in until you're in it, which was really (laughs) nice being able to sit down at a table of people who maybe some people had and some people hadn't been a part of making a strategic plan and having to kind of problem solve through that before the task was actually in front of you and you had to create a strategic plan for 
you know, your association or your academy or, you know, a nonprofit that you're involved in in your community. So that was kind of just like one of the examples. What did I miss, Emily? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you definitely hit most of the key components. And I think I would just add that I, one of the big goals of the program was also to just divert, diversify, um, which you kind of touched on, um, but diversify the leadership in APT as a whole. And they really chose scholars and mentors from very diverse backgrounds, both in terms of what you normally think of as like DEI with like race and sexual orientation um, and gender, but also with like diverse perspectives of roles within the APTA and within leadership itself. And then I would also say too, that just like being a part of the program was, ours was interesting because with COVID, it threw a wrench into things as with everything else. And so our programming, a lot of it was virtual. And I think it was nice because they were able to show like this hybrid model for future years as well. Um, but we had lots of virtual meetings where we learned about like kind of some of the pen and paper stuff and then the different aspects of leadership and different types of leadership. And then we had only two in-person meetings where we were able to really connect with other scholars and mentors um, and kind of do some of those group projects like right, creating a strategic plan together and then hearing some of the other stories in a more personal manner versus over Zoom. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that was definitely most of what it entailed and moving forward, I'm not sure how the program is going to look. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if they're gonna try to do a kind of that hybrid model like we did or more in person. Yeah, definitely. I was, I looked up the name right before this podcast too because I do wanna let our students know that this is continuing. So it's gonna be the APTA Association Leadership Scholars Program. And so it's actually running currently. So like March 1st through December 31st. Um, and so since this is kind of a new thing, how did you guys hear about it? How were you chosen? How many were in your cohort? Yeah, I think their goal was to have a hundred scholars because it was the hundredth year. Am I correct? Yeah, I think we're yeah. pretty close to it too, if not right on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we had 100 people with, like Emily said, a lot of diversity from experience and leadership. Uh, there were new professionals, experienced professionals, students. So um, I think there was a really large gamut, which was interesting when you're talking about leadership, because obviously some of these people were extremely well-spoken. Um, and then there were people who I would say, like me, you're going into some of these things like, yeah, I've never had to create really a strategic plan. I've never thought about how a nonprofit retains volunteers. I've never, you know, I've never thought about a lot of these things. So then to jump into the conversations, you kind of had the opportunity to sit back and learn from it a lot, um, which I thought was really interesting. And so I think that I think that they're going to continue that idea um, moving forward. Yeah. And then I think in terms of just like hearing about it, I don't remember if I heard about it from being on the DEI committee and some mentioning it and or just reading milestones and coming across it. And kind of since I think since intentions earlier, you know, I'm kind of like magnetized towards leadership experiences and new opportunities. Um, my eye might have just caught it. And then um, we had to apply and write 
I think like a letter of intent or something of just like what it would mean for us. And then um, both of us were sponsored through APTA Pediatrics, but I know that some of the other scholars uh, were sponsored by their schools if they were students or um, even some like private practices, I think sponsored some scholars. So there are definitely different ways to be sponsored for this program um, in our cohort at least. Yeah, and I think um, also important to mention is you have to have two letters of recommendation. Um, so like anything, making sure that you have those people close to you who really know you and are willing to write nice things about you and <laughs> help you like gain these opportunities and kind of put that word in for you. Um, so I think that that was really special. That's how I found out about it actually is one of um, my mentors said, I think this would be a great opportunity for you. And I'd love to write a recommendation letter if you're interested. Um, and so it's really important to kind of keep those contacts close because you never know what's going to come of it, like this program. Definitely. So Emily, I know you mentioned that um, you guys were sponsored by the pediatric section. Um, what does the sponsoring entail? And uh, really what, how did that sponsoring fit into the program? Yeah, so the sponsoring kind of entailed, we, it depended on who your sponsor was, I think with how much they were involved with your progress and everything. Um, for us, it was like a few meetings throughout the year where we met up with some of the representatives from APTA Pediatrics um, who kind of were like our, like touchstone people. Um, and so met up with them a few times to like discuss our projects and ask for any advice or help. Um, and then the rest of it is mostly just like, how are we going to report back our project success to them um, is kind of the big thing. And, and like I said, like, I know that different sponsoring organizations is what they call them or different on how much you needed to uh, report back or not. I feel like we were pretty lucky in that we kind of had the freedom to do what we wanted. Um, and we we're just like, hey, here's what I'm doing um, and reported it back to our, our our contacts um but and then we kind of like took our own spin of like well I want to be able to give back to APTAP so here's like how I want to share my information um and they were just very open to whatever we wanted but I know others I know like some of the scholars mentioned that they had to like present at like a board of directors meeting and um different things so there are definitely different gamuts of how involved an org could be okay I see too they also like provided the resources for us, Emily's was a little bit more outside of APTA pediatrics to contribute to our knowledge base as clinicians, I would say. And then mine is very academy based. And so, um, you know, they really gave me the, this is who you need to talk to about this. This is who you should go to for this. And they kind of gave you that foot in the door to make sure that you had all the resources available to kind of do it as efficiently as you could. Whereas it probably would have taken a little longer if I was just like going and knocking on doors saying, <laughs> hi, I'm Josie. I'd like to talk to you about this because they didn't really understand um, the why. And so having some of those, you know, those board members on the same email saying, this is really important for us. We'd like to help them do this. I think that that also really helped along our projects. Nice. Well, that's good to know because that's, I know that's one thing that I've heard or I've read about the sponsoring of the Centennial Scholars. So I'm glad you guys kind of cleared that up. So people got a, a more in detail idea of what this program has really 
um, given you guys. And I know a big part of this program is creating a capstone project. And Josie, you kind of touched on what a little bit of what Emily's was and a little bit of what yours um, was in the grand scheme of things. So um, would you guys mind sharing what your projects were or are and like how they're currently developing? Some of you might have heard about my project because I've done a couple of episodes for this podcast related to it. Um, but my project was basically how pediatric PTs can better serve children in out-of-home care um, and kind of identifying the gaps in service that we have for this population. And so, um, as I previously mentioned, um, I shared a lot of the information through podcast episodes here, but then um, I have been telling so many people that my project had a snowball effect that I kind of anticipated, but didn't anticipate at the same time. And so um, through my project, I've actually submitted currently for APTAP's annual conference to present on it. Um, and some people have mentioned to me through like contacts I've talked to for this project and different disciplines and stuff like you really should publish it. So that may be in the works, um, <laughs> has not, the pen has not gone to paper yet, but <laughs> um, that's kind of how it snowballed, but that's kind of the essence of my project. Well, that's super exciting. So um, if anybody's going to the conference, definitely look out for Emily's presentation. Um, but also you can check out her podcast episodes. She actually um, was our guest host on episode number 20 and then episode 28. Go ahead and take a listen to those. They just give you so many um, different perspectives of pediatric out of home care and how um, us as healthcare workers can really assist these children and make their lives better. And um, Emily did an awesome job with those episodes. So go ahead and check those out and then look for her at the pediatric conference. Well, Josie, what was your capstone project? I'm just going to say that I'm also very excited about Emily's project. <laughs> um, so I can't wait to hear hopefully the, her presentation that is approved to be presented. My capstone yeah. project uh, was about kind of simplifying our volunteer onboarding onboarding so that it is less complicated and we're not wasting our volunteers time. Right now, the way that we onboard volunteers is the person who's leaving basically teaches the person before them everything they need to know about the position. And inevitably things are gonna get lost in translation or you're gonna forget to tell them about something. And as a new volunteer to any organization, you're gonna have questions. And so my project has been to develop all of the resources that you may need as a new volunteer and creating a web page on our website so that you can go there and click through it so that you can get your, you know, how do I do this? Who do I need to talk to, to get this done rather than reaching out to somebody who has to reach out to somebody who has to reach out to somebody. So the information is just kind of at the tip of your fingertips um, because we truly are really dependent on the volunteers in our association to make sure that we're getting all the information out that we can to make each other the best clinicians that we can. Um, and so if it's hard work to be a volunteer, that kind of can put some people off. So I want to make sure that it's as easy as possible and it consumes the least amount of your time so that you want to keep giving back and you're getting back as much as you're giving. 
Um, so we're working on that right now. I would say, I don't know if mine has snowballed quite as much as Emily's. I'm not writing any research papers on it. Um, but I don't really know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm just going to say it though. It has been added onto our strategic plan for the Academy of Pediatrics to have this volunteer onboarding and to also then have just a member onboarding. Like what happens when you become a member? What do you have available to you? And do you actually know everything? Because I think there's a lot of perks of being a member that people just don't know about. Um, And so reminding members why they're members, but also people who aren't members when they first join, you know, what all do you have access to? Um, So I'm pretty excited about that. It really shows that the Academy has been backing, I think the Centennial Scholar Program and our projects so well. And so I feel really supported in that aspect. That's awesome. That's going to make joining these volunteer positions so much easier. Um, And I'm sure Emily has had many positions where she's been trying to reach out to person after person to try and figure things out. And I know Josie and I just starting this podcast took some time to get it off and going, but um, I can't wait to see the finished product and all the, all the onboarding sections and just the streamlined uh, process for people. That's going to make it so so applicable and easy for people to join and be a part of things. So that's awesome. So now that we kind of talked about what this program is and like what your projects have been and um, since you're kind of in the middle or finished with your project and done with the actual program itself, would you recommend the program to new professionals or students? And what was like the um, top piece of information or skill that you got from this program? 100% would recommend. Um, I think uh, in some regards, our cohort was a little spoiled since we were the first cohort. So they, I think kind of pulled out in some regards, like all the bells and whistles, but I also think that they're trying to make it sustainable and continue doing that for future cohorts. Um, but I would definitely recommend it just through, the connections and all the learning and everything. Um, Like Josie mentioned earlier, like most people don't learn in PT school, like why a nonprofit needs volunteers or how to write a strategic plan. And these are really cool um, and needed pieces of information to know for foundational knowledge for like future leadership uh, experiences. Um, But then I think in terms of like advice for this program, I would give to people is just like going in with an open mind and kind of being a sponge and letting everything absorb in and then going back and circling back to it and like really seeing what is pertinent to you at that time. Um, But then also just being super open-minded about like your mentor and um, how you can have a symbiotic relationship with your mentor Um, and knowing that each relationship is going to be different and each mentor is going to be different. And then also expecting that your mentor is not going to be somebody you necessarily know in your own uh, academy or background for PT. Um, And they do that for a reason and and the purpose and, um, you know, to allow you and the mentor to grow and get different perspectives. So I think that'd be like the biggest piece of advice. And then also just maintaining um, a lot of those connections that you gain through this program 
um, and allowing yourself to not be like starstruck by the connections, um, but just holding on to them for future reference and knowing that everyone involved with the program is really there to help you. Definitely. Those are some good pieces of advice in there too. Josie, what yeah, about I, I would definitely recommend it. I think that anytime you have the opportunity to grow leadership skills, especially for free, <laughs> I mean, um, it's easy to think that you will just gain leadership skills as you kind of stumble along your path. Um, but something that I've kind of really latched onto since the pandemic is you see, you've seen a lot of people in leadership roles. And I, at least I have kind of questioned sometimes, are you really a leader or are you just a manager? I say with air quotes, right? Like, is that just your position or are you actually leading us? Are you actually mentoring us and nurturing us as a team and making us better? Um, and so I always talk about purposeful leadership. Are you purposefully growing as a leader? Or are you just hoping that you, you know, like a snowball turns into a great big, I don't know, bottom of a snowman, it's a poor, <laughs> poor wording, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, are you just hoping that you're growing because you're going downhill and that's the way that momentum is taking you? Or are you truthfully trying to build yourself? Are you trying to make yourself better? Are you reaching out and are you challenging yourself? Um, and so to challenge yourself as a leader, normally these courses and things like this are really expensive. Um, I mean, something to think about is the LAMP courses are really popular within the APTA and I've heard amazing things. We kind of uh, based our own leadership class in PT school off of some of the LAMP philosophies. Um, and so I think that having the opportunity to learn some of these skills from great leaders for free, like, why would you not jump at that? Why would you not jump at something to grow yourself purposefully as a leader? Um, because those opportunities don't come around very often. I think the best piece of advice that I got during the Centennial Scholar program, there were a lot, and I think a lot of them are very applicable in certain situations. So I won't really say any of those, but I would say one of the broader ones is, especially as students and new professionals, we're always talking about how do I get a mentor? Who will be my mentor? I need a mentor. And somebody during one of their talks, I can't even remember who right now mentioned, I don't really want to be your mentor and expect that you're just going to take, 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 take from me. Like Emily said, you need to be able to have like that relationship where you're both giving back. So they want to be your mentor if you're also mentoring them. Um, recently, I heard the quote of you should have a mentor that's older than you. You should have a mentor that's your peer and you should have a mentor that's younger than you. Um, and I think that that holds a lot of weight because people from every walk of life can be your mentor and you can also help mentor them. And so when we're talking about gaining mentors and as students and new professionals, I think that we need to remember that we also need to contribute to that relationship. So when you ask somebody to be your mentor, are you ready to contribute to their questions? Are you ready to help build them into a better person? I think that you really need to 
reflect on that before you are so focused on me, 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 like what can I give to the relationship? Um, so I think that was a really beneficial piece of advice and it kind of changed the way that I look at some of my mentor relationships. Cause I think I've taken a lot. And so now I'm like, Oh goodness, how do, uh, how do I give back? How am I contributing to this relationship and making sure that I'm not just emptying their bucket? Awesome. Well, I don't know about the other um, 98 or so Centennial Scholars, but I'm pretty sure um, we should watch out for Josie and Emily's name because they're going to be running the APTA at some point on the board. So (laughs) I mean, you guys are so nice. (laughs) I mean, honestly, just knowing Josie and getting to know Emily, these two ladies are just full of um leadership wisdom and just always ready to grow so if you are looking for a mentor these two are the places to go and um I'm just excited to see what you guys do now especially after that whole program and I'm just excited that or I'm just happy that you guys were able to come on and let our listeners know a little bit more about the centennial programs or Centennial Scholar Program that's now kind of transitioning into that uh, Leadership Scholar Program. So um, it looks like everything's done for 2022, but keep an eye out for 2023 if you if any of our listeners are interested. And um, before we close out, is there anything else you guys, like any piece of information or anything I missed about the program that you guys want to mention? I think one other thing that I want to mention is one of the big lessons I learned from this program is that there's no one straight path to leadership and everybody has their own path. And I think sometimes, especially being super type A, like a lot of PTs are, we get stuck in this rut of like, okay, this is the path I need to do. Like in this many years, I need to be like state director or whatever, like so on and so forth, but there's really no, no one road, no path, and it will be bumpy at times, but just kind of making sure that you're accepting any open door that's open to you um, and any opportunity that's open to you, because you never know where that opportunity will lead, but also recognizing if you have the bandwidth to give your all to that opportunity and not just taking um, as well. Um, but I think that that was something that so many of the mentors like reiterated to us throughout the program. Like there's no one path. I didn't get here the same way the person next to me got here. So if just go with what fuels your passion. For sure. I totally agree. And that I, that was echoed in so many talks that we had. Um, so that's an excellent piece of advice. I would also say, and we didn't say this, but because the Centennial Scholar or the Leadership Scholar program is so new, they are so open to feedback. So I can only imagine where this program is going to be, you know, in three, five, 10 years, you know, like how much it's going to grow. So get in while you can help build this into the program we want it to be for future leaders within the APTA. And then also go in knowing that like, you're getting exactly what the group before you said, like, I think maybe this would be beneficial or maybe change the way that this was presented. So it's more digestible. And so they were so open to feedback. So I'm so excited to see where it goes and what it grows into. And I'm so excited for the scholars that are coming and going to gain all of that knowledge. Definitely. Well, I'm glad you guys brought those pieces of advice up because I feel like that's um, part of our theme for this season of 
um, leadership talks and book clubs that there are so many different various ways to become a leader and to be hold leadership positions, whether it's within your community, the state, um, state PT associations, the APTA, and, you know, everybody's leadership journey looks a little bit different and they all can get you to whatever place either you're meant to be in or you want to be in. So I'm really glad that you guys brought that up and just tied it all together. Well, thank you again um, for coming on and telling us about the program and your projects. I love having uh, new professionals who have done so much already and just inspire all of our listeners to go out and do their own thing in leadership. So thanks again, guys. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you Abby. for having us. <laughs> Like I said in the podcast, these two women are examples of great leaders and I'm sure whoever is running this podcast in 20 years will be interviewing them again as they are taking over the APTA board and changing physical therapy for the better. If you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review so that more of our friends can join us. Till next time, friends.